The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And then verses 32 and 33. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are the beginning of wisdom. And Lord, we really seek you for wisdom in this time. And we just ask that you empower Randall to share your wisdom so clearly with us and for our hearts to be open and receptive to whatever you want to teach us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church family. Today, we're going to be starting a new series in the book of Proverbs. It's called Wisdom from Proverbs. And so our text today is from Proverbs chapter 1. And here's the title of today's message. Defining Wisdom. Defining Wisdom. In 1998, secular thinker and Harvard professor E.O. Wilson wrote, We are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. Now that quote was written over 20 years ago, but isn't that an accurate description of our culture today? Our news feeds, TVs, cell phones, they're they're all inundated with information. Googling anything is at our fingertips, but we are starving for true wisdom on how to make good decisions in life. So we have more self-help advice about how to win at life than ever before. Yet our world still feels like it's coming apart at the seams. We are starving for wisdom personally, but not just any wisdom. Today, I believe more than anything that we need God's wisdom. You see, all of us have choices that we make on a daily basis. It's very overwhelming. It's been estimated that the average adult makes 35,000 choices per day. Some of those choices are big, some are small, yet we know that all of them carry consequences, whether good or bad. Choices like, where do I go to school? What what job should I take? How long should I stay there? Uh, What if I lose my job? How, How do I deal with my finances? Where should I live? Who should I marry? You see, these decisions can change the trajectory of our lives. Today, I have been married for 15 years to an amazing woman, Laura Ashley Tanini. Now, I remember that decision so vividly of when I said, okay, does she believe like I do that this is more than just a friendship? And I was standing there looking in the mirror before I talked with her, scared to death, just asking God, like, please, Lord, show me if this is the person that I'm going to be with the rest of my life. I don't know. And and 
I want it to be her, but is that what you want for my life? And then going out and talking with her that day and the tears filled up in her eyes and the tears filled up, filled up in my eyes, just realizing that we both felt the same way. And now, 15 years later, being married, having three kids. You see, that was a choice that I made, that she made. We made that together. And it was an important decision. But I want you to know that that decision wasn't made on my own, but it was made in seeking God. In seeking God. Asking God for wisdom. See, for many of us, possibly even more so in our current pandemic, we understand the need to make good life decisions because bad decisions can be catastrophic. And many of us feel the pressure of being upset, overwhelmed, anxious, passive, or even helpless. And so how does the Bible help us to live well in this world? Well, our text today is Proverbs 1, 1 through 9, and we're looking at verses 32 through 33 today. To give some background, the book of Proverbs is written by King Solomon. We find this out in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, King Solomon was one of the wisest people to ever live. How do we know this? Well, 2 Chronicles 1 and 1 Kings 3 tells us the story of what happens. Solomon comes to God and asks him, for wisdom. And God gives him that wisdom. First Kings 4, 29 through 30 says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. Now I want to give a disclaimer before we jump into the book of Proverbs. We must understand that Proverbs is not a book of good tips and advice for a successful life. You're going to find many truths that are going to be helpful for you in your life. But Proverbs in its entirety is God's invitation on how to live well in His created world, on His power and strength. This isn't something that we separate from God and take as wisdom for our lives, for ourselves, but this is wisdom on how to live for the glory of God. That's what Proverbs is about. See, we can't do it without God. Why? Because of sin. From their commentary on Proverbs, Daniel and Jonathan Aiken explain it this way. Because of sin, there are barriers between us and God, between us and others, and between us and the world around us. We no longer rightly perceive the way the world works. We no longer recognize the order, so we can't navigate through daily life. God created the world with an order to work in a certain way, and we must live according to that to be truly wise. But in our brokenness, we don't see it. Proverbs is all about restoring that harmony through Jesus Christ. Proverbs is all about becoming wise in everyday life through a relationship with Jesus, through the gospel. It's about the life of the kingdom that God always meant for humankind to live. See, what this is, is coming to God and saying, I need your wisdom to help me navigate through life. And so from today's text, what can we learn about wisdom? Well, we learn three things. First, we learn what it is, where to start, 
and why we need it. What it is, where to start, and why we need it. So first, it's what it is. Let's look at verses 2 through 4. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. And so what we find all through verses 2 through 4 is a helpful, very robust definition of what the nature of wisdom truly is. And it's made up of three things that we see here from the scripture. The first one is instruction and discipline. You can see it in verse 2. What this is, is, is a willingness to be corrected so that you are able to understand the world and read people and situations correctly. So that's what this instruction or discipline is. Next is this word insight. You can see it in verse 2. And what insight is, is the ability to see nuance and give multiple options and situations to get the wisest decision. For me, somebody that helps me is my friend Keith Goosby. And so many times I've come to him and I've thought, okay, there's only a couple options in this certain scenario that I'm going through. But after talking with him, he starts to show me, well, that's not your only options. You've got a third option, a fourth option, a fifth option, multiple options that are there. And so somebody with insight sees multiple options when maybe you only see maybe one or two or three. And so this is somebody with wisdom of insight. The last one is prudence. You can see it in verse four. And what prudence is, is practical wisdom on how to get things done. And so what it is, is somebody who's able to set goals and and accomplish those goals. And so as we come to wisdom, really biblical wisdom, it impacts us in every area of our lives. And so that's what wisdom is from a biblical perspective. But if you want this wisdom, where do you start? So that's the second point, where to start. Verse seven, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so this verse makes it very clear on where to start. It says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now there are two parts here. First is, let's ask, what is the fear of the Lord? Now, this can be defined as a reverence or awe before God. It's it's honoring God's definition of good and evil. And so we can see that back in verse four. Remember when it says, in righteousness, justice, and equity? What this is talking about is is God's definition of what righteousness is, what God's definition of justice is, of equity is. And so this is honoring God's design of the world. And this is a posture of humility before God. Now, what does this healthy fear look like? Well, let me give you an example. When I was 14 years old, I was on vacation with my family. We're We're in Hawaii. And we're at the Hilton Hawaiian Village. And that night, it was around 4th of July, all of these fireworks go off. And so I'm outside, it's dark, and I'm walking around with my cousin. And off in the distance, I see somebody that I recognize. Now for me growing up, I was a big WWF fan. Now it's WWE. But off in the distance, I saw Brett the Hitman Hart. And so I remember looking at my cousin and saying, we got to go take a picture. And so I walk over to him and I'm, I'm frightened. I'm like shaking, thinking, okay, 
I, I want to take a picture with him, but I got to go up and ask him, can I take a picture? And so I remember I just went up to him and I asked him, hey, my cousin's over here. He's got his camera. Can, can I take a picture with you? Now, when I talk about fear in that instance, I'm not talking about this fear of whether he's going to punch me in the face or slap his finishing move, the sharpshooter on me in that moment. Like, I'm not fearful that he's going to hurt me. I'm fearful because I'm like in awe of this is somebody who's my hero. This is somebody who I've looked up to and he's right next to me. And I'm 14 and he's like the same size as me, right? But, but this is a small example of what this type of fear looks like. It's a healthy respect or honor or fear of, of somebody. And, and when we come to God, we're not coming to him fearfully like he's going to bring judgment upon us. That's not what this fear is. But this fear is in awe and appreciation, a humility, a posture of humility before God. See, essentially, the fear of God is saying, I must start with God first. And and, and it's a healthy fear of the Lord that moves us towards being wise people. Derek Kidner says it like this. He says, for the fear of the Lord is not a mere beginner's step in wisdom to be left behind, but the prerequisites of every right attitude. Only so will the world be seen the right way up and life begin to reveal its intended pattern. You see, what this fear of the Lord is, is a trust in God. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. See, this is trusting and believing that God actually wants to give us the wisdom that we need for life. See, God is not holding out on us. God is gracious and his timing is perfect. But many times we want to do things on our own. One of the things that I've seen recently with my kids as we've been in this quarantine time is that in the middle of the night, they get up and they jump into one of our cabinets and they just start grabbing a bunch of snacks out of the cabinets and they run back to their room. And I've caught them a couple of times and I said, Guys, if you would just ask me, if you would just come to me, I would have given them to you. You don't have to go in there and break into the cabinets and potentially hurt yourself to get what you need. And see, what many times happens is we try to to do things on our own. We try to get this wisdom without God. And God is inviting us saying, no, 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 come to me, trust me, fear the Lord. That's where wisdom and knowledge begins. That's where it starts. And so secondly, why do we not fear the Lord? Why do we not trust him? Well, Solomon says it's because of foolishness, verse 7, and simple-mindedness. You can find it in verses 4 and in 32. See, a fool is described throughout Proverbs. And here's what they look like. Self-righteous, opinionated, stubborn, nearly impossible to persuade with sound reasoning strongly resists if you try to correct them, despises correction. Fools are people who don't listen to what others say. You can't have a healthy discussion with them. They're set in their ways. Being a fool doesn't mean that you're not smart. It just means that you think that you're the smartest person in the world, that you know everything. And you're thinking to yourself right now, I know that person. 
I saw them this week on my newsfeed on Facebook. And that's easy to do, right? We want to see on the outside who these people are and the, the foolishness that's out there. But what about the foolishness that's within? What does God see within us? Secondly, it talks about the simple. You see the simple, they, they don't ask good questions. They're easily deceived. They don't test a person's track record or character. They're sure the person they trust the most is always right. Again, Timothy Keller is helpful in this when he says, he says, a simple person is too concerned about what other people think, whereas the fool is a person who's not concerned enough. They're both, the fool and simple, out of touch with reality. Simpletons aren't in touch with reality. They're in touch with their friends. Fools are not in touch with reality. They're in touch with their own pride, their own dignity. See, this is why many times we can't have helpful conversations on social media, right? It's because in our own eyes, like the Bible says, we are wise. But what does it look like to, to say, you know what? I see some of those tendencies in my own life of how I can be simple, of how I can be a fool. You see, we must start with the fear of the Lord. And what happens is the Lord starts to bring us in touch with reality. Because God, it's all His reality. Truth is His reality. God sees everything for what it really is. And so it starts with the fear of the Lord. Lastly, why we need it. Look at verses 32 through 33. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Now first, verse 32 warns us that we have a natural disposition to either be simple or foolish, and both lead to destruction. Right, again, it's easy to judge the outside world and saying that's what I see in others. But what about in our own lives? Second, verse 33 encourages us that we need God's voice above every other voice to lead us to life. See, there are many voices out there right now vying for our attention and saying, I'm ready to lead you in one direction or another. And so we need God's voice to lead us and direct us. That's what wisdom is. John 10.27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You see, what we see in the book of Proverbs is that Jesus is all throughout the book of Proverbs. He's personified as wisdom. And he's calling out to you and me, saying, will you follow me? Today, some takeaways. How can we apply this? First point is, Patiently seek wisdom. Patiently seek wisdom. Wisdom comes with time. See, and we're, we're not used to that. We want everything in our culture, everything in our life to be instantaneous. But God works through time in our lives. See, look back at your life. Have you ever thought to yourself, and I've thought this, when I was in middle school, I was so naive back then. See, it's easy to think about yourself back then, long time ago for me, and say, 
you know, I was so naive back then, but, but what about a year ago? What about five years ago? What do you see when you look at yourself then? For me, I think, wow, I thought I knew more than I really did. And what that leads to is this, the confession that I was foolish to think that, or I was too simple-minded in that moment. And that's why I did that. See, we need to understand that we need to grow in wisdom and grace, and that takes time. And God loves us enough to stick with us through grace, even in our most foolish moments. Even in those moments where, where we don't listen to Him. See, wisdom comes with time, and thankfully God's grace is sufficient for us every day. And so will you patiently seek wisdom and know that God's with you every step of the way. Second, pass wisdom on. Verses eight and nine are really helpful for us in understanding that. Look at verses eight and nine. Here's what it says. Hear my son, your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Now, wisdom is not inherent within us just like we talked about. It's taught. It's taught. And so Proverbs twenty two fifteen tells us that foolishness is inherent. Okay, look at Proverbs twenty two fifteen. Foolishness is bound into the heart of a child. Now, this goes against the grain of our culture that tells us that we are perfect just the way we are. The Bible confronts us by saying, you know what, we're naturally foolish and we need correction, discipline, greater sensitivity, outside help. I just want to say, after having three kids, I've tested this proverb, and it's true. It's true, yes. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. And so we have to help guide and direct and lead our kids to Christ. And so if you're a parent today or a grandparent today, we must be intentional about passing wisdom on to the next generation. Derek Kidner, uh, in his commentary on this text, says every section of the book, um, talking about Proverbs, it is assumed that the truth is to be learnt first at home, instilled there, and with firmness and affection as lessons for the mind and training for the character. And so fathers, mothers, grandparents, this is something that the scriptures tell us is, is passed on. Our kids need us. This next generation does need us. And we live in a culture right now that worships youth. We don't worship youth. We worship God. We worship Christ. And so God is all-knowing and all-wise. And so we need to come to Him and say, God, help us to understand this. And this will go against the grain of our culture. Next is pursue true wisdom. Some of us today may say, yes, the youth must learn to be wise. Amen. Tell them. No. God's word tells us that we never stop learning. We never stop growing. We never stop needing correction. We never stop needing discipline. We never stop needing help. Ultimately, our teacher 
for life is Jesus Christ. John 13, 16 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you read through, and I challenge you to read this week, through Proverbs 1, 20 through 31, because this wisdom that cries aloud in the streets, and you'll see it in Proverbs 8 as well, throughout church history, they've believed that this is Jesus calling out, saying, who wants true wisdom? And so when you're pursuing wisdom, it's not an idea, it's not a philosophy, it's not some thought that you have. No, wisdom is a person. It's Jesus. And so my encouragement is pursue true wisdom, pursue Christ. Matt Emerson wrote, when we read Proverbs, it's more than a Christian version of Dear Abby. It's a book that shows us that wisdom, what wisdom looks like and asks us to follow her voice, Proverbs 8, because Jesus is wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1.24. Then it's a book that asks us to see Jesus and follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to fear the Lord, which is the beginning and end of wisdom. So today, how do we gain this wisdom? How do we receive this into our lives? How do we receive this into our hearts? Because our hearts are starving for this wisdom. It's by confessing this, that I've believed I'm wise, that, that I believe that, that I'm smart enough to lead my own life. And what I found out was that I'm actually a fool that I actually don't know what I'm talking about, that I, that I actually, you know what? I, I need a savior. I need God to save me. I need God to save me from myself. And how does he save us? Well, it tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know how you're saved from your own foolishness and my own foolishness? It's by looking at what the world calls foolishness, the cross of Jesus Christ. That God could come into the world, live 30 years on this earth as a poor man, doing ministry, teaching, everything that is opposed to the world wasn't popular. And then he hung on a cross, not just dying, but dying for my foolishness, for your foolishness, for our foolishness. See, that's the gospel, friends, is that the wisest person who ever walked this earth, Jesus Christ, was hung on a cross and called a fool for you and me. And that's how we find what true wisdom is. It's knowing that Jesus paid the ultimate price of being killed. Remember verse 32? That our foolishness would kill us. That our simple-mindedness would kill us. In verse 33, would destroy us. No, Jesus was destroyed on our behalf. And think on that. Let that settle deep into your heart. And then what you'll find is true wisdom. 
the wisdom that you've always needed, the, the wisdom that your heart is starved for your whole life. Will you come to him today? Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you that in Jesus we can find true wisdom. And I pray if there's anyone who's struggling today, maybe they think that they've, they've sinned too much, they've gone too far, that they've personally destroyed their lives, that Jesus, there is forgiveness in you, that your grace is sufficient for us to cover our sins. And that today, Lord, if there's anyone who's just struggling right now of, of understanding what decisions they need to make, that they turn to you, that they find freedom and, and direction and wisdom in you, that we don't try to do this on our own. God, we need you in every way. And I pray that it's through your leading and your direction, God, that we go and we hear your voice. God, we humble ourselves before you and we ask that we will learn what it means to fear the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.